Welcome to the Vineyard Church of Greater Portland podcast. We hope you enjoy this message by our guest speaker. For more podcasts and other resources, please visit www.vineyardportland.org. Okay, well, have you ever heard the story about the little boy who wanted a bike and didn't know how to pray? That evening before bed, he turned to a church program and wrote down what he heard. Upon retiring, he knelt down and he prayed, Almighty and eternal God, if it is in your vast, infinite plan, I would like a bicycle. May it be according to your perfect will. World without end, amen. The next day, the little boy woke up, went outside, and was very disturbed that there was no bike. Believing he just needed to pray differently, that evening he turned to another church program. Once he got into his bedroom, he got down on his knees and prayed, Jesus, I declare my need for a bicycle, and I declare that it be blue and silver. I also demand that it be here tomorrow, morning by 5.30. I know you want your children to prosper, and I need my bicycle. Amen. (laughs) The next morning, the little boy gets up only to find no bike. He began to search from room to room, which caused his mother to take notice. She watches as her son places the statue of Mary under his arm and leaves the house, heading towards the woods, returning minutes later without the statue. Of course, you can only imagine by now she's quite interested in what her little boy is up to, so she quietly follows behind her son as he enters into his bedroom, gets down on his knees and prays, Jesus, if you ever want to see your mother again, I would like my bike. (laughs) Pretty cute, huh? (laughs) You know, we laugh. (laughs) That is super cute. I thought it was cute. We laugh, but we all understand to some degree the heart of this little boy. For we too have prayed for what we believe we need. We struggle when we don't see the answer. And we have difficulty trusting that God will fulfill his promises. So we too can take things into our own hands. Today's uh, title is, as it's up there, good job, Faith That Perseveres. This is getting a little bit of feedback here. Okay. Faith that perseveres means more than simply hanging on until the end. Our ability to persevere is to continue to hope despite difficulties, failures, or opposition. It's all about placing our confidence and our hope completely in Christ. Hebrews 11.1 says it so well out of the Passion Translation. Now, faith brings hope, our hope into reality, and becomes the foundation needed to acquire the things we long for. It is all the evidence required to prove what is still unseen. See, Jesus, as we know, is the author, the perfecter, the beginning of our faith. Our faith in Christ is who enables us to see beyond the natural into the supernatural. I love this quote by Charles Spurgeon. God made faith with the intent that it should be to the utmost and exercised to the full. Faith is the element, a trial is the element of faith. Faith without trial is like a diamond uncut. The brilliance which has never been seen. A fish without water 
or a bird without air is faith without trial. We may surely expect that our faith will be tested. See, Charles Spurgeon knew he gives language to the value of our faith, that the trials that we face, the, cir the circumstances truthfully that are allowed are there to enrich our lives. They are often difficult and painful. <laughs> we can all attest to that. But they are necessary. We may struggle with fear, with sadness, with hopelessness, and even doubt. However, for me, I've come to realize that it's been during those times that I've grown closer to the heart of God, where my heart is connected with his heart, and that what I claim to believe, <laughs> what I read, goes more goes beyond mere words. It becomes a heart language. It's a place where God meets you in those places and it becomes proven and solid. The scripture highlights the lives of so many that have exercised their faith during times of great trial. We see how often, though, do, that perseverance is tied to disappointment and our ability in that, those places to hold fast. I'd like to share this morning about the life of John the Baptist, born to Zacharias, the priest, and his wife Elizabeth, who came from the lineage of Aaron, so a very well-respected um, priestly lineage, um, both considered to be righteous before God, yet unable to have children. And to add insult to injury, the belief at that time was that if you were righteous, you were blessed by God with children. If you were barren, you were considered cursed because of sin in your life. So women were scorned, they were ridiculed, and they were judged. You know, obviously at that time they had no insight that it wasn't, could have been beyond the woman to the male. Under that law, Zacharias could have divorced her. So we can only imagine, it's like put ourselves in Elizabeth's shoes here, both of them for that matter, how the judgment that she felt, the many years of longing gone unfulfilled. So now, <laughs> advanced in years, the answer to a long lost prayer is about to happen. So let's pick it up in Luke chapter 1, 8 through 10. Now it came about while he was performing his priestly service before God in the appointed order of his division, according to the custom of the priestly office, he was chosen by lot to enter the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And the whole multitude of people were in prayer outside at the hour of the incense burning. Now, I want to pause here for just a moment for us to get to understand the significance of this moment for Zacharias, because this was a lifetime opportunity, okay? A division consisted of a thousand people. And they were considered to be anywhere from maybe 20 to 24 divisions. So we're talking 20,000, maybe up to 24,000 people. This, what were the odds? I mean, think about it, that he would have been chosen. This was not random. For Zacharias, he was chosen for this moment. So now to kind of set it up a little bit before I go into the next uh, passage, Zacharias enters into the temple. And he's accompanied by two priests, both chosen by Lot in a much less value than he was. One went in, which I would not want to do, to clean the altar <laughs> of what was sacrificed before. And the other one came in to prepare the offer, altar for the incense. So they come in alongside of him, and he walks into the temple. And then when they're done their duty, they step out. 
and now we've got a lot uh, uh, Zacharias in there all by himself. We pick it up in Luke 1, 11 through 18. And an angel of the Lord appeared to him standing at the right of the altar of incense, which, by the way, is a place of authority. And Zacharias was troubled when he saw him, and fear gripped him. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zacharias, for your petition has been heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you will give him the name John, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord, and he will drink no wine or liquor, Levitical priesthood there, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit while yet in his mother's womb. And he will turn back many of the sons of Israel to the Lord their God. And it is he who will go as a forerunner before him in the spirit of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers back to the children and the disobedient to the attitude of the righteous so as to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. And Zacharias said to the angel, How shall I know this for certain? For I am an old man and my wife is advanced in years. So it's interesting that Zachariah's prayers have been heard. Looks like after all those years of praying, he let go of all hope. I like a quote, I've, said, I've said it before, by Graham Cook. It said, God is never late, but he sure misses a whole lot of opportunity to be early. I mean, who can, you know, this was, I think that was kind of like after all this time, my guess, maybe that's not what he was praying for in the temple. He was praying for the hearts of the people, for the Lord. He, he may not have been because he looked a little shocked when, they, when the angel said that to him. You know, maybe we need to revisit places that we've let go because we've been praying for a long time in places. How many here have been play, praying for a long time for places that have not yet come to fruition you know maybe we need to revisit them again see in spite of Zacharias being it's spoken of him to be in godliness his belief was tied to what was humanly possible so he asked the angel for a sign he was given a sign all right or maybe I should say he became the sign and he was unable to speak so you've got hundreds of worshipers outside the temple and they're waiting for Zacharias to come outside that door they're waiting to hear words of blessing and Zacharias remained silent before the God in whom he loved. No words of praise or glory at what he just witnessed. The miracle happened, and Elizabeth conceived, while Zacharias spent nine months in quiet reflection. Psalm 62.5 out of the Passion says it so well. I'm standing in absolute stillness, silent before the one that I love, waiting as long as it takes for him to rescue me. Only God is my savior, and he will not fail me. Faith that perseveres grows in the waiting. See, it's easy to have faith when things go our way, isn't it? How many here are waiting on the promises of God? How you doing? <laughs> I think we could all say that. I think there wasn't probably one hand that should be raised here because how are we doing in that? See, I believe that waiting is perhaps the most difficult part of our faith. I think all of us would have liked it if our faith was instantaneous upon salvation. Got saved. I have all the faith I need, thank you very much. Right? But we've come to realize 
that it is in the waiting that causes our faith to become genuine. Giving praise in difficulty is a refining process that we all deal with. 1 Peter 1.7 says it so well. That the proof of your faith, being more precious than gold, which is perishable, even though tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Notice it says this proof of your faith is the evidence of what we believe. See, the reason for our testing is to bring truth where beliefs are formed. You know that? Establishing a faith that carries the glory of God. Because less whether we know it or not, God is always revealing himself in and through every situation and circumstance we face. I found myself, and, it, and I can't say that I f- fly through it, but I find myself trying to sit in places and say, okay, Lord, what are you speaking to me now that I didn't, didn't know before? Because I'm in a place, I'm in a different place right now. I'm dealing with different challenges right now in my life. So if you're in everything, he may not be the cause of everything, but he certainly didn't turn his back, so there is, some, there is an allow, he allows things, right? What are you doing in me now? What are you sharing with me now that I didn't know at any other time in my life? See, our challenge is to be listening to what God is saying. Because, you know, in those times, things are so loud, aren't they? Doubt comes flying in. It's crucial, not easy. It's crucial that we pay attention to who we're, what we're taking in at that time. For Zacharias and Elizabeth, what was considered late was nothing less than God's perfect timing. They received more than they could have ever imagined. God had bestowed upon them the greatest honor. In Luke 7, 20, 28, I say to you, among those born of women, there is none greater than John. <laughs> that is a pretty powerful statement for the mamas and dads. For, for Zacharias and Elizabeth, that was an honor to have a son that was the forerunner before Christ. What was once doubt upon the lips of Zacharias has now been turned to praise. This miracle, their son, John, to be the prophet of the Most High, put that one on your resume. You know, Zacharias was given the honor to proclaim praise. I mean, he, <laughs> to the God of Israel, because he has come to redeem his people. You know, that was after 400 years of what was considered silence. He comes out in, in the, under the unction of the Holy Spirit and proclaims that God has come to redeem his people. I want to kind of highlight the life and ministry of John the Baptist. So you can only imagine what his early upbringing would have been like with all that his parents had witnessed. I think we would have all loved spending time around that dinner table. Conversations like, John, you were filled with the Spirit while yet in my womb. I think that means John was born again before he was born. Again, okay? You know, think about it, okay? He was filled with the Spirit while he was yet in the womb. John must have heard stories of his parents, visitation from the angel of his miraculous birth. 
And okay, mamas out there, women, you know darn well that Elizabeth must have shared stories with her son. I mean, don't forget, she was visited by Mary, which was her much younger cousin. For three months, they spent time together. I can just imagine what those conversations were like. You know, John grew in love, and he grew in wisdom. And you know something, parents? It is never too early, and it is never too late to speak into the hearts of your children, to ask God to show you the creative gifts and the calling that he's placed upon their lives, to pray into that and to speak it over them, to help them to understand their value and why they were born, their significance. I think if we look around today, what's missing? We were created in the image of God. That's our significance, right? That's our value. That's who we are. What are we seeing out there? Lack of value, lack of significance, lack of understanding. So it's never too late. I don't care if you have children that are 50. It's never too late to speak into their lives and, and, and to pray in that place with the Lord. And, you know, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Amen. So John knew why he was sent by God. He was the one in Isaiah 40, uh, verse 3, a voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight the desert in a, uh, a highway for our God. See, there was excitement that was going on when John came. Now after centuries of silence, God was about to fulfill the promises of the earlier prophets. Actually, John the Baptist was considered the last of the Old Testament prophets, even though he was living in the time of Christ. Both very young, by the way. Um, John spent part of his life in the wilderness being prepared by the Holy Spirit. I don't think even though that, you know, Jesus was his cousin, maybe as little kids, could they have possibly played together? Maybe. I would say later in life that they did not know each other because you can tell that in the, as I get, you know, when I speak the next part. Um, so now some 30 years later, John arrives baptizing in the Jordan River. John's baptism was to prepare people for the coming Messiah, calling people to repent, to turn away from their sin and away from idols to God. Thousands of people, tens of thousands of people. Sometimes we can read these things for back then and we think, oh, that, you know, that there was not that many people then, so therefore, you know, they had this little trickle of people that came to the Jordan. No, there were tens of thousands of people. They've been waiting for, for the Messiah. So they came flocking to John. People were stirred with renewed hope and expectation, as we should be stirred today. Then suddenly, all that John was expecting, all that he was waiting for arrives on the scene. We'll pick that up in Luke 3, 21 and 22. One day, Jesus came to be baptized along with all the others. As he was consumed with the spirit of prayer, the heavenly realm ripped open above, and the Holy Spirit descended from heaven in the visible, tangible form of a dove and landed on him. Then God's audible voice was heard saying, My son, you are my beloved one. Through you, I am fulfilled. I mean, think about it. John sees the heavens open. The Holy Spirit descending upon Jesus in the form of a dove. 
He witnesses the cloud of glory hovering, brooding over the sinless Christ. The Father proclaiming his Son. You know, it's such a beautiful display of the Trinity in action, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Such a beautiful display. He witnessed. Finally, after years of Roman rule, the Messiah has arrived to bring justice and truth, as that was the belief. This was a defining moment in the life of John. John was ready for Jesus to reveal his kingdom. Yet there was more that John needed to, that Jesus needed to reveal to John. For John's unresolved expectations were about to challenge his faith. You see, at that time, Herod, as he liked the great, ruled as king over the Jews. He was ruthless, clever, really not a good guy. If you've ever studied him, he's not a good guy. Herod ended up forcing his brother Philip, to divorce his wife, Herodias, so he could marry her. I'm thinking, is, was it the name? You know, she was pretty close, but he, d- he forced his brother to do so, so that he could have her. John, being a man of fearless conviction, called out Herod to repent for taking his brother's wife. Unfortunately, that did not bring conviction to Herod, and John was thrown in prison. Fortunately for John, his disciples were granted access to speak with him. And they reported all the things that now that John was in prison that Jesus was doing. Then John sends them out with a penetrating question. Luke 7, 19. And summoning two of his disciples, John sends them to the Lord saying, Are you the expected one? Or do we look for somebody else? We might be thinking... What are you talking about? Are you the expected one? John, come on. You personally witnessed all of this. You held Christ as you baptized him. John's faith was wavering, wasn't it? Doubt was creeping in to the darkness of his prison cell. Faith that overcomes, that perseveres, overcomes doubt. See, it's not so much that we doubt, because I think we all can say that we do, right? We have moments. It's what we do with our doubt. Where do we turn to find the answers that we seek? Because you know something? We're always faced with a choice in that moment. It's not a time that those challenges don't come at us. We, and I know, I know the choices I've made. <laughs> I, um, we're faced with a choice. See, will we allow the truth to define us? Or we will, will we let the circumstances rob us? John carried his doubts to Christ because he needed to know the truth. We know what happens in our heart. We know the struggles that we face. We know how easy it is to turn to doubt and fear in all of those places where, you know, we're human, right? But there's a choice to step in the spirit to turn around and sit there. And it's not that it's easy, but I'll tell you one thing. When you make the choice, I know that the Holy Spirit comes alongside as he does, the comforter that he does. And he leads us in truth. And for John, he needed to know the truth. C.S. Lewis states, a question is never fully answered 
until the assumptions are fully understood. See, we too need to be wise, not to only understand our own heart, because sometimes we'll say things, and I, you know, I'm very analytical. I'm not saying I don't get deceived, because I do at times with what's really going on in my heart. But there's times I can stand in places and thinking this is what I need to know, and it's really not. Sometimes there's other places that the Lord is going, I need to reveal myself here. You know, so what's really, what's motivating? The heart of the question. We would be wise with people that we know. You know, so easy to flip an answer out there, isn't it? And sometimes we need to step back and say, what are they actually really asking? How can I meet that place? How can I bring restoration and life? into the question that they're really asking. Sometimes you need to dial down to do that. Jesus knew what John was expecting. His answer went straight to the heart of what John was truly asking. Don't remember that John was thinking that after years of Roman oppression, Jesus was going to bring justice and bring freedom. His circumstances did not, it, it didn't really make sense to him. If we were going to be set free from Roman rule, then why am I in prison? How many times in our own life when we're looking at our things that are going on in our life and we're going, but Lord, I know that you can, and why are you not? Those are hard. Luke 7, 22 and 23. Only then did Jesus answer the question posed by John's disciples? So I think that when John sent his disciples out, they came and they asked Jesus the question. Uh, Jesus had a way of not answering it right away. And I think they spent a good portion of that day, some time, watching what Jesus was doing. I think he was witnessing to them as well as it'll go and witness to John, but he was witnessing to them. They were firsthand witnesses of what Jesus was doing. Now go back and tell John what you have just seen and heard here today. The blind are now seeing. The cripple are now walking. Those who were lepers are now cured. Those who were deaf are now hearing. Those who were dead are now raised back to life. The poor and the broken are given the hope of salvation. And now listen and tell John these words. The blessing of heaven comes upon those who never lose their faith in me no matter what happens. See, Jesus knew John would understand this moment was nothing less than the fulfillment of what was prophesied in Isaiah. Don't forget, John, he knew John spent time studying. He knew the Old Testament. Isaiah 35, 4 through 6. Say to those with anxious heart, take courage, fear not. Behold, your God will come with vengeance. The recompense of God will come, but he will save you. Then the eyes of the blind will be opened. The ears of the deaf will be unstopped. Then the lame will leap like a deer, and the tongue of the dumb will shout for joy, for waters will break forth in the wilderness, in streams in Arabah, in those places that we walk through, those dry places. <laughs> That's what the Lord wants to do. See, faith grows as we fix our eyes on God. His word 
is the source of encouragement that secures us while we're waiting. Scripture says um, people perish for lack of knowledge. How easy is it us, for us to turn to other things? It is our faith in Christ that overcomes our doubt and to live in the reality of hope. Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. As for us, we have all of these great witnesses who encircle us like clouds. So we must let go of every wound that has pierced us and the sin we so easily fall into. Then we'll be able to run life's marathon race with passion and determination. For the path has already been marked out before us. Is that not encouraging? We're not running alone and we're not running blind. We look away from the natural realm and we fasten our gaze onto Jesus who birthed faith within us and who leads us forward into faith's perfection. It's all in Christ. We have been given, you know, we really, I have to say, say that to myself, tell my face sometimes, we have been given the most amazing heritage and blessing. But so often, so very often, we get so weighed down with the questions, with the whys, with the struggle. And Jesus went through it all. So he completely understands. <laughs> Thank you. He understands, and, and, and he's also given us the comforter, the Holy Spirit, to come alongside of us. Now, I wanted to kind of bring out a little bit of a modern-day story, somewhat modern. I recently read the life story of Annie Johnston Flint, born on Christmas Eve, in 1866, she passed away in 1932, and she was born in New Jersey, so here in the U.S. Lost both of her parents very early in childhood. Actually, um, she was three when her mother gave birth to her, to her sister, and she lost her mom. Her dad had contact some type of disease that he wasn't going to live long, and so after staying with one family, she, he eventually had his daughters placed in another family, the Flint family, because they were Baptist, and he wanted to make sure that his girls were raised in the Lord. This family, were they loved God, and God reigned in their home. Annie grew up. She became a teacher, and in her second year of teaching, rheumatoid arthritis began to show itself. It seems so advanced to me. I just have never heard of this quickly, but within the year, it became difficult, for her to even walk. For 40 years, she was severely crippled, and there was scarcely a day that she did not suffer pain. There were many times, no doubt, when her soul would be burdened with the misery of it all and with the mystery of why. But the marvelous thing was is that the evidence of her faith did not falter. For she was convinced that God intended to glorify himself through her. Now, she did and did posture herself for prayer. 
She believed it, I mean, for healing. But what happens, right? With fingers that struggled to even hold a pen, she wrote some of the most encouraging poems, cards, and hymns. The title of this hymn is He Giveth More Grace. For the sake of time, I only wrote down the first and the last portion of this hymn. He giveth more grace when the burdens grow greater. He sendeth more strength when the labors increase. To added affliction, he addeth his mercy. To multiplied trials, his multiplied peace. His love has no limits. His grace has no measure. His power no boundary known unto men. For out of his infinite riches in Jesus, he giveth and giveth and giveth again. This I think when I spent time reading her, I just wept. I don't know, but by the grace of God, could I stand and write such beautiful hymns as she did. Giving the, I heard she laid on like nine pillows to comfort herself yeah, throughout her life. We may not always understand, even though we try so hard to, don't we? <laughs> Yet, through it all, our eyes must remain fixed upon the hope that we've received in Christ Jesus. Though we struggle with our faith, God remains faithful. As I was sharing to a dear friend of mine, Cynthia Weston, um, she, it was like she had this beautiful quote by Jack Countyman, and it says this, God makes a promise, faith believes his promise, hope anticipates its fulfillment, and patience quietly waits. <laughs> 